But a lot of um, skill, design, and therefore employment yeah. <laughs> goes no, into dude, that house. It's amazing the amount of craftsmanship that is wasted yeah, on engineering. the <laughs> This is the episode for Mill and the Shine. You're listening to the SpyFi After Dark Podcast. This is for the people. It's for the family. All 26 of you out there. <laughs> Watch our shit. All right. Welcome back to SpyFi After Dark. What's going on, people? I'm here, as always, with my eclectic co-host. As a rat. It's just us two this time. Yeah. No guest. Nope. Uh, so real quick, uh, we're going to do sort of a multi-topic episode that will evolve as we go. We're going to improv. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get started, just FYI, of course, the podcast today is sponsored by the Iowa Moccas. Let you know a little bit more about that later Mm -hmm. during a break. Please check that out. And, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, Millen Tweets, Instagram, Millen Grams. Uh, Alex, you still not still going dark? Yeah, I mean my uh, my Instagram is in its infancy, but fresh underscore prince underscore of underscore agraba. <laughs> Super memorable. Yeah, very easy. <laughs> Check to, it out to let other people know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to know me to find me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's as it I should have, be. That's why I have no friends. <laughs> Uh, and you know, obviously subscribe, whatnot, especially if you're on YouTube. Let us know what you think. Um, we have such a gamut of topics to discuss and we bring different guests who have their own, you know, subject matters that they're interested in. And this, uh, um, episode today is also going to be something a little different. Um, the best way for us to get feedback is your feedback. Well, yeah, if you want to email spyfi official at gmail.com or tweet at me or something like that with uh something you'd love to hear us talk about if it's in the realm of like media or technology or politics or something we can probably talk about it and uh we'd love some interesting eclectic new topics but i figured we'd start with a state of the podcast yeah i mean it's been almost a year i know um we're actually a 10 months as of yesterday. It's awesome. How many episodes? 22. So 22. That's pretty good. And we had a little hiatus. So, I mean, that even with that into account, we're pumping something out every other week, I think. And we're going to try to sustain that, but maybe even ramp it up a little bit because. Well, I mean, we've been every week now for the past six episodes. Yes. Yes. And so that, that rate will improve. Um, I'm hoping just to keep up every week. I yeah, think it's I, I like that cadence. I like it. Yeah. So, um, and obviously, this season three has come with a lot of changes. Aside from having a regular cadence for the first time or second time, I don't know. When we started, it was pretty regular. Mm-hmm. Um, but this ep- the season has introduced video, a uh, shorter format, a little more regimented. Uh, how do you feel about the new setup overall? I mean, obviously I have my thoughts, but I want to get yours first. Um, regarding the, um, for, just from the podcast side, um, I do feel like the, the content is presented in a much more presentable or, uh, excuse me, professional manner. Um, just the overall design of each episode is pretty, pretty nice. Um, Regarding video, I think it would be ideal if, and obviously this is, this is gated by investments, but like if we had, um, more, uh, or like multiple aspects to cut between versus it being in a stationary spot. But Mm -hmm. other than that, no, I really like it. Um, I also, you know, million, um, has a dedicated room for the setup too. Uh, it's very quiet. It's, um, it, it's, it's nice, uh, very, very easy to get comfortable, um, for myself. And then I feel like everything is usually much smoother for guests to, to just walk into this room and kind of get set up. So, um, things have been a lot more professional, uh, with the season overall. Yeah. I mean, I'm really happy with the changes. Yeah. I, I think the new format is better. 
Uh, I think the hour long format is better. I think because it's only an hour, because it's only an hour, it has to be a little more directed, Mm -hmm. which leads to a more directed episode, more (laughs) sorry, yeah, yeah, specific episode. Aside from like the setup and like general uh, general approach, um, we also have Millen decided to make the uh, episode shorter, um, which. Um, the intent of it was to make our episodes more cogent and they have been definitely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I love the video personally. Um, I'd love to have multiple camera angles, but besides investment, it really, the main thing is you need a person who's switching between angles mm-hmm. and that's kind of prohibitive. Yeah. Still awesome. Uh, I, I mean, and it's only getting better. We're also thinking about getting a, a fourth, fourth mic. microphone. Yeah. So we can do double double guests. Yes. So that'd be pretty nice. It's potentially on the horizon. Oh, okay, cool. Um yeah, I mean I'd love to ultimately do add the ability to do virtual guests too. Yes. These are things that are things I'd like to do for sure. But I mean overall I'd say with season three, I'm really I'm really much happier with with the overall quality of the episode. The general feedback I've gotten from my friends too is in line with that. They're appreciating um the this season. I think they consider it much cleaner episode by episode, um, and much easier to follow through. So when it's showing progress for both of us, which is awesome. Yeah, I think my I I mean I'm getting used to the format too, so I feel like I'm getting better at hosting episodes. Yeah, so uh, I did mention this to you um, kind of recently. So we we did a um, a Star Wars uh, episode with Scott, and I felt like um, Millen did a fantastic job with that episode because with me being on, you know, as a co-host, um, I bounce off of the guest, whichever guest we have, and unintentionally the general flow or the subject of the conversation can derail and Millen was kind of keeping it tight, which was really nice. Um, I do think that helps just the overall like delivery and like substantial, it just overall adds value to the episode. Um, I think in episode um, or excuse me, in season one, we had many episodes where we would just kind of go on tangent to tangent to tangent. And sometimes we could lose I mean, from the feedback I got, it's limited, but from the, from the friends who watched my, or excuse me, listened to our podcast, I would get that, um, that consistent feedback that going on tangents can essentially, um, cause a loss of attention. People might just have trouble following, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, um, I got that feedback occasionally or similar feedback, uh, specifically it was phrased to me. Um, from one of my coworkers who doesn't necessarily normally listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. He was saying, it feels like you take a long time to get to the subject of the video, Mm -hmm. which I think we've done a good job of cutting down on that time considerably. Yeah. And it's, we we had talked about this um, offline. Um, Part of it too, is that, you know, Millen and I are two listeners, just ordinary people. So whatever comes out of our mouths doesn't have any kind of like eminence or or notoriety to it. So like we can't just talk about anything and be engaging. Do you know what I'm kind of saying? Mm -hmm. Like if I was a celebrity, I could literally just talk about whatever and you'd be like so fascinated by anything. So we have to present a package with some value. Mm -hmm. And I think being more cogent and like just more linear, you know what I mean? Is, is, is the, is the, is the right approach. So just trying that, you know, I'm trying to be more succinct and more and like more direct. Um, I'm working on it, but it's going to take us like a hundred episodes till we get there. I know it's refinement. That's ultimately <laughs> what it is. So, uh, yeah. So I, I think at this point, I think I'm getting to a point where I, I'm actually feeling really proud of how the podcast is, is turning out. So, I think I'm getting to a point where I'm going to start getting people who had or trying to get people who had listened to it at the beginning to come back and listen to it again mm-hmm. because it's way better than it was when we started. Right. Right. And I think they will immediately notice that difference. 100%. 100%. It's also easier to edit now. Because of the, the duration? 
the length? Uh, not so. I mean, that helps a little bit, but mainly it's easier to edit because I don't have to record separate intros and outros because I just decided to blend it into the actual episode. Oh, which uh, was kind of like a subtle change, but it makes a really big difference awesome. on the back end. Uh, a lot less editing that needs to be done. And I can just use like standardized clips. And basically I'm just dragging and dropping into Premiere. Oh, got it. Done. Got it. So it's way, way faster. Um, it does mean when I do when I do mid rolls, I take time to make sure those are done well. So those take a little bit of time, but uh, that's just when I'm producing them. Once I have them, they're easy to use. Got it. Um, so I don't know. Have you, have you gotten any other, like, What's the feedback you've gotten overall for people you've gotten to listen to? The, so the, the feedback overall um, has been that the progression of the podcast in terms of quality of content delivery uh, is very, is very um, evident um, from episode to episode. Like it's uh, there's a lot of appreciation for us getting better at what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then on like a, on another note, um, there th- some of the feedback has implied that you know certain subjects that we talk about will get more attention than others. This is coming from my friends. So there could be a bias there, but like ultimately things things like the MCU or like Star Wars are liked by people I talk to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like we need to do another MCU episode. Yeah, it's like these things are just are are generic enough and, and, and they touch so many people. Um, so, uh, it's so easy to get uh, listeners to be engaged versus like, uh, if we talk about like more nuanced subjects, uh, it's kind of a hit or miss makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, 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 there's plenty of things that Millen very passionate about plenty of things that I'm very passionate about, but because of the state of where the podcast is, um, and it's very, very difficult to grow a podcast, you know, um, Mill and I think talk about this in season one. Yeah, you po- podcast is more or less a tool to double down on your presence in social media. If you don't have that presence and you're grinding to grow it, at the end of the day, you need to you need to give what people want, and it's kind of tough to figure that out. I mean, Mill could 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 make seasons on on game design, right? And we've we've incorporated that um, a little bit here and there in a few episodes to see, you know, where we're at. And it's kind of tough because this podcast is in its infancy in terms of viewership to really know like what subjects should we pursue kind of the feedback he gets. And I get just come from our friends. See now million also may have friends that are really into that, um, into game, like things like game design or things that like Millen really likes. And then like my friends may or may not like certain things that we talk about on here that, um, um, resonate with them. But in terms of like the greater audience, if we just want to grow our channel so that then we can talk about, what we want to talk about and have more people, uh, to listen, we just have to figure out what people want and how to deliver. Um, that's like the challenge right now. Well, I would say it's, less about what people want and more about what we feel best about creating. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you create something you really feel good about, eventually you'll find the people who want to listen to it. And I mean, I, um, that's optimistic. I know, but I'd say, I'd, I would say, what I, I would mean say is yeah. you can't just focus on like you can't no, just yeah. focus on doing what you think people want you to do. Yeah, it's, it's it has to be authentically you at the same time. Right. So so here's the thing. Like now, if you mean like just picking the stickiest subjects of the things we actually like. Yes. Fair yeah. So I'm not saying to be uh, disingenuous or to throw out authenticity, but let's just so like you and I, we get down with pop culture, right? Um, but you might want to really get into the weeds with game design. Okay. And I might want to get into the weeds with something else that's nuanced as well. At the end of the day, we can do this and you know, ultimately a podcast, we're not trying to like our priority here is to create quality content. And that's what Millen is like reiterating, right? He and I both work. This is something we do on the side for fun, Mm -hmm. ultimately for fun. And we're essentially archiving 
intellectual and social activities that we already do with, with each other and other guests anyway. This is just a good way to yeah yeah to do something with it, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole original intent for the podcast for me was as a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a time know, when I desperately needed it. Yeah. So uh, and we also talked about that in another episode too, just about having things on, outside of work. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean for for self fulfillment. But um, you know, ultimately, something like a podcast is such a potential tool to just get yourself out there. Um, that's where some of these conversations kind of come into play. It's like, are we going to talk about things that we're very passionate about strictly? We can. Um, it's just challenging, kind of tr- like trying to make that decision. I mean, like, for instance, I could have made a podcast and just talked about like nutrition, like diet and exercise. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I know for a fact, like, not for a fact, but it's very likely that I won't get anywhere unless I add shock value or try to like be strategic with like the topics and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. You could talk about game design. Game design is very, very nuanced um, and it'll be just even more challenging for you to kind of grow your audience. Um, so we try to like pepper in just some general like pop culture episodes that are really fun um, very engaging for Millen and I, um, easy for guests to come on, uh, who have, you know, similar passions, um, for things like that. And then for general audience to grow, cause we want people to listen to us. I think Millen is just has a wealth of knowledge across so many different things. Um, I feel like I'm like kind of funny. So, you know, together, <laughs> together, we can offer something. People just need to find us, you know, find us. <laughs> Share us. So yeah, it's kind of a internal conflict, but yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, I think that's maybe enough ego stroking for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, uh, I think maybe we'll talk about some future ideas and plans a little in a little bit more detail and yep. then we'll ultimately transition and just yeah, sounds good. shooting the shit for a little while. Cool. Hey there, podcast listeners. This episode of SpyFi After Dark is sponsored by me. That's right, me. Specifically, it's sponsored by the Iowa Mockus Project, which is an electoral technology project and accompanying live stream happening sometime in August. I've talked about the Mockus on here before, so I'm not going to bore you with the details. Head on over to iowamockus.com to learn more about it. But the short version is that it's a caucus app. We're going to basically show that the Iowa Democratic caucuses in 2020 were a sham and should never have been accepted. It's going to be a great time. going to be lots of fun. Check it out, iowamaucus.com. But specifically, what I wanted to talk to you about today was the Iowa Mockus devlogs that I'm doing on YouTube. You can find these by heading on over to YouTube and searching for SpyFi, which is the channel that the devlogs are on. Or, I mean, you could just search for Iowa Mockus devlog, I guess, if you wanted to. And basically, it's a behind-the-scenes process of how I'm building the Iowa Moccas. The first devlog was on the marketing strategy for the Moccas, and the second devlog, which I'm currently working on, is on how I'm building the software. It's kind of like a layman's version of how I make software. Anyways, we'll have other topics on there too. I'm hoping to produce episodes every other week or so, and they give you an insight into what the process of building something like this is like. So, head on over to YouTube, Search for SpyFi, search for Iowa Marcus Devlog, check them out, hit that subscribe button, you know how it is. That's it for me, let's get back to the video. All right, and we are back. What's going on? We got more ego stroking for you. (laughs) (laughs) Some strokes of genius. Uh, so I think we should transition to just talking about like thinking about the future a little bit. And yeah. I, I want to start with talking about the purpose of growth mm-hmm. and also like where we are currently. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like be very transparent with people who listen to the podcast are a good episode for us gets about 25 to 30 listens. Mm-hmm. This is a good baseline to, to be transparent about. Yeah. Oh, hold on. The camera just went out. So 
sorry for that. Um, we were experiencing some complications with the camera. Yes. Uh, it ran out of battery. Had to switch the battery pack. Um, but yeah, you're talking so about yeah, the 25, the so 25 average view count. Per, no, not, not average. A good episode is 25 oh, to right, 50 yeah, views. Yeah. Um, they go back and forth between like 10 to 30, basically. Yeah. Millen and I, we don't have a big... Uh, uh, social media presence, you know, individually or even combined. We also don't have many friends. Yeah. We have a lot of mutual friends, right? So like he and I. And all of our friends are mutual friends. Exactly. <laughs> Not so all, he, but most. Most. So he and I collabing, but there's no big effect like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's where uh, the previous discussion kind of came to my head. You know, I was thinking, okay, like on the one hand, there's so much I'd love to talk about. And I love, I love to have discourse with close friends mm-hmm. right and this is such a great platform on the other hand i want to also treat the podcast like a tool like an instrument to get ourselves out there so that we can have other people um listening to us because ultimately a, a podcast you know at the if you don't want to do anything with a podcast um you're just archiving memories with people but yes. if you want to take it somewhere ultimately the ceiling is limitless as a tool that's I'm talking about like nothing else coming into play competition saturation of you know space that you're trying to yeah you know what I mean so yeah um but yeah so that's kind of like the thing it's like okay how do we like how do we de- how do we s- like formulate the de- general direction of the next season or like what topics should we talk about in the next like however many episodes like that kind of stuff but you know Millen and I we have a lot of like mutual um, interests. Uh, so it's it's pretty easy, and again, like we have mutual friends, so bringing them on as guests make things pretty pretty easy. Um, yeah, but just looking forward. So I mean, the thing I wanted to particularly mention was, um, a lot of people focus on growth, um, and I always find that growth for the sake of growth is gross. Like there's, I don't. I think by definition, that's correct. Yeah. It's cancer, basically. No, I meant gross. Like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> in that sense as well. Um, but you know, when I say that I want to grow the podcast, I don't want to grow the podcast for the sake of growing the podcast. I simply want to be able to talk to more people. That's all it comes down to. And yes. as as the audience increases, it opens up more options for things I can do. So I can yes. produce even more interesting content. Yes. So that that's my whole motivation. And I haven't really been focused on growth as a concept. I think there are things I could do to encourage more growth mm-hmm. that I don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always that trade-off conversation of, is the effort of that thing worth it for what it provides? If, if it takes the podcast from say on an average of 15 viewers per episode to 25 or 30 or 50, is that worth the amount of time that it costs me to produce the extra assets, mm-hmm. to do the extra marketing, mm-hmm. so on and so it's forth. It's also kind of synonymous to like um, other platforms in the social media space where you have opportunities to, grow your total presence, right? Whether it's like upping your subscribers or followers, some kind of capacity like that. But ultimately, are you getting um, like a linear increase in engagement? Now, like growth for the sake of growth could be important. It may not be important. It's a slippery slope. Hypothetically, if you're doing all the all of the things to just get yourself a bigger presence, but you're not really increasing or enhancing the engagement that you have, then you're kind of diluting your content. So, like, I will say this: like, I agree with you that like growth for the sake of growth is potentially dangerous. Like, we don't want to like necessarily just put the effort in trying to get. Can you turn it just like this? Trying to get more viewers for the sake of viewers. Like, I like the idea of having. every listener impressed 
in like an ideal world, like having them like appreciate it. You know what I'm kind of saying? Okay. Like having them appreciate what we, what we have to say. Yeah. I want to actually have an impact, but at the same time, like this is going to sound kind of, kind of not egotistical, but hear me out. Like I also want to use the, the podcast to engage and bring in more than my friend group because I don't need the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I talk to people. You know, yeah. my friends, you do, too, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it is good. It's, you know, it's, it's something that they can listen to and appreciate and it's fun, but ultimately like I would like the podcast. And because again, like, um, I've talked to you about this. Like I really have not utilized social media, um, to its full potential. It's so powerful Yeah, for marketing and just getting yourself out there and opening up your world for opportunities. Yeah. Um, I just haven't done it. I, I just, I, I never really put in, um, that much effort into kind of enhancing my presence out there. Um, so this is kind of a cool, um, you know, project for me. I'm actually, there's, there's a lot of personal growth in, in even something like this for me, just putting in the effort with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like obviously Millen's setup and he's, he's put all this together and like, this is his baby. Um, but even just being like a co-host and, and actually like committing God, talking to the mic, Doug. Oh, sorry. Committing to, uh, um, you know, every episode that we put together and providing that content for our audience. Like it's, I feel it's like nice. this is, I feel like this is the most consistent thing you've ever done. No, the gym <laughs> aside from that. Yeah. Yeah. I lack consistency. So, um, yeah, this has definitely provided quite a bit of growth for me. Little things like this. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, using the podcast like just as a as a tool for personal growth and refinement. Again, like I ramble, I may over, I can be like bombastic. And I can beat around the bush and between feedback from listeners and my friend base and then Millen, you know, I'm constantly being more conscious. So that helps me too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ultimately I'd like to see that, you know, the view count go up because I think that's encouraging to say, Hey, like what we're doing, like is getting people's attention. Yeah. Cause friends are also doing it just to support. Yeah. Versus like if we're getting new people, they might be like, Oh my God, like this is actually pretty cool. You know, it's pretty dope. Mm. You know, I mean, for me, the intent was always to basically produce a pool of content so that when something I did hit the right note Mm -hmm. and got a bunch of virality for some reason, they would have this like huge backlog of stuff to listen to. If they came in, they're like, wow, this is really cool. I like this guy. I like what he's doing. You know, what is, he has a podcast and it has like 50 episodes. Oh my God. You know, I can learn like so much more about him and about what he's doing. So that was kind of, that was always the intention from my perspective. I I never expected the podcast to have a significant viewership on its own until something else happened. Um, Me personally, like I would love to see it to where episodes had on average, like 50 to hundred views. I see what you're saying. So you're also saying that like, look, if you, if you build a podcast, um, it doesn't go away. Correct. It doesn't expire. So like um, essentially the, the archived content that is produced can always be returned to for that doubling down effect. Mm-hmm. And that's my media strategy in general. Um, obviously right. just across platform and have everything kind of, so he's like, he's essentially urban planning, like a Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, and when like Amazon finally decided to like stop shop, he's like, Oh, perfect. You know? Yeah. We're ready for you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like I that. Mean, I like that. I mean, I think if we had 50 to a hundred viewers per episode, that would signal to me a pretty maximized, um, a pretty maximized engagement of my immediate audience, friends and friends of friends. Mm-hmm. I think at that level that signifies like where we've reached most of them and a good number of them listen. And so that's why I use that as a benchmark. That's kind of where I'm shooting for. Although, like I said, I haven't really focused on it the whole time. Of course. So, but now that, now that the format is much better and I feel much more confident in the format and in the product, I will probably start looking at ways to approach that number. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, being from Arizona, like, and having, um, having sustained a lot of my friendships with people I've, um, been brought up with, um, high schools here are pretty big in the Valley. Um, I went to ASC with Millen. Hypothetically, if I wanted to really push for the sake of growth, I could do it. But I, I also understand what you're saying too. Like that doesn't that doesn't need to happen. The podcast can can always be there as a tool for getting to know us as a cross platform effort. If we do something else, mm-hmm. that makes sense. You know what I mean? And you're right. Realistically, something like a podcast shouldn't be used exclusively to get yourself out there. Not in 2020. If this was like no. 2012. You can do it if it's uh, okay. The only podcast that can really grow organically is a very specific uh, topic based podcast. Yeah. With external circumstantial like things going on. So like, well, what I mean is like, if you do one of those, like, unsolved cases podcasts yeah but no but like like exploring a case over 10 episodes or whatever and you do like a season of its 10 episodes and it's a new case every season something like that can grow on its own it can find an audience organically right but and what i meant is like you know certain things like right place right time kind of thing it's like if a podcast you know focused on like virology or pathology some like clinical podcast Mm -hmm. and because of covid People yeah. are looking for it. And so they're like, oh shit. Like yes. we're gonna we're gonna do a series on coronavirus. Yeah. You know, stuff like that can happen too. Yes, um, that's the other the other side to it. Um but. basically if you have like a pop uh pop facing, if you will, topic, mm-hmm. you can grow organically. Or if you happen to be doing a niche topic and you just hit the right circumstances, mm-hmm. then that can work too. And or if you're just really good at what you do. And it's, it's, I've, and I've talked to Millen about this. Like, actually, I don't think that's true anymore. I was going to say, so like, I, I, when it comes to podcasts, that's pretty much not, I don't think it's true for any platform anymore. I don't think there's any platform small enough where that can be true. YouTube, it's still, I don't think so. No, no, no. So I don't want to go on a random tangent. I didn't think so, but I've been following a, a channel on YouTube that's gone from like, 30k to 540k in a year yeah but that's starting at 30k i know but the the but the channel was like four years old and you got and it only accrued to 30k yeah that's what i mean the timeline for that process is very long well what yes yeah, so what it's, happened the reason why he blew up though uh and 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 mind you this guy i don't want to get into, so okay i'll I'll talk about it. Whatever. He's a fitness YouTuber. He's a fitness YouTuber in his 40s. I didn't actually know that, by the way. I just guessed that. You're right. Yeah. Me being me. So he's in his 40s. Okay. He's a fitness YouTuber. That's already tough. Um, unfortunately, your resume when it comes to fitness is how you look. And this guy's an older guy talking about fitness. That's already going to be tough when it comes to getting bigger. Um but he just changed his approach on YouTube and he has blown up. Dude, it's staggering. It's incredible. Well, okay. So I'll qualify what I said then, because you can absolutely blow up. If you have a quality product, you make a good strategic decision and you have a decent audience to start with. It doesn't have to be big, but at least like a few thousand you can over, you can pretty much yes. overnight change your fortunes. Yes. Right, that that happens. Yes. But are you saying from nothing? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, from nothing. Well, in my well, you know this. It's a math, it's a it's a numbers game. Yes. It's a numbers game, 100%. Um just from, it's, it's not that it's impossible, it's just that if you're going to do it from nothing, you have to basically just be so consistent over such a long period of time and eventually something might hit enough to push you to the next level mm-hmm. and then you have to keep being consistent until some until another thing hits to push you to the next level and you have to keep repeating that process probably at least four or five times to get to the million mark if not more than that 
Mm-hmm. Plus, like perceived value kind of unfortunately gates people's um, decision to listen to content and absorb content now. So, like, what I mean by that is like, I personally believe that if you have a small social media presence, it you almost have to prove yourself to general audience. Even if it not, not so, not only is it difficult for someone to come across your content because of where you're at, there might be a chance that you're dismissed. So like, for instance, I've noticed, I, I've noticed like on some people's channels on YouTube in the comments that I read, there's a lot of feedback, um, talking about the growth of the channel. I do think that like when that stuff happens, like that actually is attractive that in and of itself, not only is there a compounding effect of having a base that's growing, but like the fact that it's growing also has a compounding effect. It's like percent perceived value. Does okay. that kind of make sense? Yeah. Like what you want to be on the roller coaster on the you way wanna out. You want to be, you want to join that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I do, I, I personally believe that. Well, the other, I think the other component is when you talk about perceived quality of the content, if you have like a couple hundred subscribers and you've been doing this for a few months, or even a year, and you think you have high quality videos, chances are you probably don't. Like what you may think is high quality, you don't even realize what high quality is yet because mm-hmm. you haven't been doing it long enough. And likely you don't have access to the kind of resources that really allow you to hit high quality. It's possible to do high quality stuff with very few resources, but it's really difficult mm-hmm. to hit the kind of production quality that really is going to hit in the right way. Mm-hmm. It's very, very tough. Yeah, you to can do, that. do you can do a lot um, starting from scratch, but because of how well established things like YouTube are, people that have been doing this for a long time that have been in the game for a long time are creating very, very high quality content. Mm-hmm. And you have to have you basically have to have something that's topical if you want to have that moment where you hit in the right way. Mm-hmm. It, whatever you're doing, so you have to be doing something topical. You're not going to do it just on the back of your personality anymore. Like people aren't just going to find your channel organically and like your personality. Like personalities is not very search friendly. You have to do something that will be caught by search engines. Mm -hmm. Like a great example is a medium article I wrote and it's been a few years now. Um, A big YouTube channel called source fed had closed I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but I wrote a medium article about it closing and about trying to figure out why it closed Um, deeper than just a shallow, like, Oh, it didn't make money or whatever. Like I went into the numbers a little bit and sort of just broke it down for people. Like this is why the channel wasn't profitable. And it was just at a high level. I really wasn't even going that deep, but that happened to um, snag like number one, Google search result for why did source fed close, which a lot of people were searching at the time and still are searching today. I still get views on that article today. I get like 30 views a week on that article today, That's like awesome. three years later. And so in total it has like 10,000 views and it's because I happened to write something that was topical um, and yeah, that no one else, no one else had done well enough or had provided enough information that people found it useful. Mm. So I managed to snag that number one, number two spot on Google clout generating clout, generating branding on, on topical subject matter. Yeah. But of course, of course I didn't do anything with it. I just wrote the article and it happened to be successful. I had no plans for it to do anything. I thought it might get 50 views and that would be it. No. Right. So I'll give you another example. This is why I wanted to do the star Wars prediction and reaction. Yeah. That's how it was nine. Now we could have chased the clout. So compounding on the topical uh, component that Milton's talking about, we could have said why star Wars nine was a flop. Mm-hmm. But versus star Wars case, nine reaction. The only, the only difference being in that case, you have, so many other people doing better analyses than us that we're not going to catch the high Google search results or any organic search results because uh, our audiences, there's people with much bigger audiences doing much better analysis than we did at the time. Yes. 
So, um, and by the way, those, those episodes did very well overall compared in our metrics. Our, our views were better in season two and season one, which kind of makes sense because there was a big gap. So we, some people sort of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two episodes of the podcast did pretty well. Um, so I think we'll definitely approach topics that are popular facing for lack of a better term. I mean, a like how do you fun come to a, talk about? How do you come across podcasts? Not through Google. Well, you come across it through the platform that you're on or, or through Google, you know, that does happen. YouTube. It's, but like, yeah, it's, that's, it's definitely challenging. You have to catch attention in the right way. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's hard to do that with re- like really popular stuff. It's hard to do that with because there's just a lot of, a lot you, of traffic. Right. You can, you can generate traffic just being a, when it comes to like something like Spotify, the beauty of a platform like that for like more underground artists is that you have bigger bigger artists that get a ton of traffic and you can just be you know related in genre yeah does that still apply for podcasts i don't think so exactly so like i wish that was the case like kind of does i mean i know apple podcasts they have a system where they feature podcasts and that can get you viewership but i'm not really sure how it works and that's the thing with youtube so like youtube when it comes to like the clout chasing and like topical component to branding like that's so like in the fitness um like realm of youtube i talk about that because it's a huge it's a huge space believe it or not um the best way to get big is to generate clout with a very prominent channel that's probably not a fitness specific thing. That's probably no, that's across, a general thing. Yeah. That's, it, it's just a general thing in our society today, which is mm-hmm. the best way to get more of something is to be near someone who already has that yeah, thing. Yeah. And negative attention is still attention kind yeah. of thing. So just like the best way to get wealth in our society is to be near people who yeah. are wealthy. To surround yourself with people that are wealthy. Yeah. Not, not just, just be near, be in orbit, like orient your life around being around those kinds of people. And that, they literally just like rub off on you. You end up just catching some of their money eventually. That seems mystical. I don't like that. Yeah. I think, (laughs) but it's, it's couched in opportunities of like, you get like a random consulting gig or they hire you to take care of something for them. Like if you're around those kinds of people, they end up just giving you things because you've been around them for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're just a potential resource to more. It's and an idea osmotic effect. That's the easiest way to make money. It's not the way to make the most money, but it's the easiest way to yeah, make money. Yeah, and I was saying surround yourself like if you have, like for instance, if you want to enhance your life or if you want to you know, make more money and you don't really know how or you feel stuck, like a, maybe one of the things you can do is just kind of assess who your friends are and like who you spend your time with. That's what I'm saying about surround yourself. Yes. Like, because ultimately if you're spending, cause like, it's just another, that matters too. Yeah. Like if you're, it's a mindset thing, it's more of a mind. Exactly. Yeah. And like people that maybe are successful or who are trying to be successful will have certain behavior patterns, a mindset mm. that you can learn from and like people bounce off of each other. And when they do find success, you're in a prime position to capitalize on some of it. So, you know, these people can be mentors. They could just be people to encourage you, you potential partners. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The point is they can, it's, they can help elevate you. It's the you. same concept of if you want to make more money at your job, find the area of your company that makes the company the most money and try to work there. Like in general, if you want to make more money in your industry, look for the companies that make the most money and look for the sectors of the companies that make the most money for the company and put yourself there. That's how you yeah. make the most money. Literally just find it and then go there. And it's the same way with views on social platforms and content platforms. Find the people with views and be there. And have something good to say. Mm, so what we should really do is we should be public enemies on stream. 
generate clout amongst you and I <laughs> to brand our podcast. <laughs> Who are we going to be public enemies of? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> We're Joe Rogan's worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I guess this comes down to how to like, how, how should we position the podcast? Yes. So, but all right, good time for break numero dos. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in a minute. Probably just talk about some random stuff at this point. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Millen Singh, host of SpyFi After Dark. I'm here to just please ask you to rate and or subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on. It really makes a really big difference to us and it makes us feel really good about ourselves. So you really should just do it for that reason alone, honestly. But seriously, it boosts our organic search rankings and makes it easier for people to find the podcast. And so it would really help us out a lot if you could shoot us a rating, subscription, whatever's applicable on whatever platform you might be listening on. Anyways, that's it for me. Let's get back to the episode. back we're just gonna devolve into random shit at this point (laughs) chances are two-thirds of you are not listening anymore anyway (laughs) so it's the alex effect this is this is for the this is for the diehards ones who come Mm -hmm. for the personality Mm -hmm. the eight of you this is a good if this is a good episode (laughs) yeah the the whopping eight of you oh my goodness um so I don't know. I, we were talking about maybe talking about rabbit hole, YouTube rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, I know I've been, I just, I found a new rabbit hole of luxury home tours. <laughs> yeah. You show me an amazing video. <laughs> yeah. These guys are. It's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing how much money is just being thrown around. Mm-hmm. That kind of decision. Yeah. Yeah. And the beautiful, the beautiful part, awful and beautiful at the same time is that this is money that's just being passed back and forth between millionaires. Mm -hmm. It's basically money being intentionally kept out of the market by passing it back and forth between each other. That's not that you're giving them too much credit. That's, I mean, I understand that like draconian kind of like viewpoint, but like you're giving them too much credit. It's true though. Yeah, it is true. It's wealth sheltering. It is. It, it yeah. is true. It is true. However, homes yeah, people like talk that about employ- tax shelters. <laughs> that's a tax shelter right there. That twenty million dollar mansion. That's the a definition of a tax shelter. Literally, shelter. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of um, skill, design, and therefore employment yeah. goes no, into dude, that house. It's amazing the amount of craftsmanship that is wasted yeah, on the rich. <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode for Mill in the Shine. Sit back all eight of you. It's it's, it's, gonna be a ride. it's it's amazing how much just pure craftsmanship and skill mm-hmm. and passion mm-hmm. is wasted on people who spend three weeks out of the year there. Mm-hmm. And have eight more of them. Yeah, call it's it like, just you call it technological indulgence. It's truly, truly incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, these houses are beautiful. Yeah, Palo Verde like can only support thirty three percent of the last home we watched. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> and of course, you know, as an individual, when I watch these, um, when I watch these videos, because I'm not. Um, uh, a megalomaniac I'm really attracted to like the affordable five million dollar homes you know mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the keep fucking 20 million yeah exactly I want to keep modest um, I, I watched the 20 million dollar home tour and I'm just like I'm stressing out because I'm like I don't have enough stuff to fill this house there's no way in hell I would ever have enough stuff to fill this house it would feel empty all the time the furniture would be destroyed by the sun it's not being protected like Mm -hmm. you know yeah any kind of like uh, any kind of like climate related factors like would stress me out yeah like rain yeah everything and Um, even even like 
the amenities and utilities are so insanely sophisticated though i like look at it and i'm like oh my god like the design behind this house i mean you're basically signing up for the mortgage plus another two thousand dollars a month in maintenance and just like maintenance services Mm -hmm. you know pool guy landscaping Mm -hmm. uh cleaners and then i don't know something with the outdoor task force you You have to like set aside uh (laughs) set aside like fifty thousand a year to just be able to replace the outdoor furniture on a yearly (laughs) basis (laughs) these homes are i mean are absolutely beautiful um i've been going down some rabbit holes myself watching a lot of like master chef and like culinary videos it's so satisfying like i'm not i'm not a chef like i try to cook just very efficiently Mm -hmm. yeah believe Um, me He's not a chef. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want to emphasize that very clearly. Yeah. He's, he's not a chef. <laughs> yeah. Um, just based off my upbringing, like I was able to really appreciate like good food. Um, both my parents can cook very well. But when it comes to me, like I, I cook primarily for efficiency um, and I eat a lot. So you cook for calories. Yeah. Um, but it's very like soul replenish. I don't know. Like these videos like soothe me in some capacity, just watching, watching these chefs like go to work and putting so much like into the detail of the presentation. It's very like, it's very satisfying to watch. Yeah. It's de-stressing. It's insane. I feel it. Um, and, uh, some of the plating like is too like, pretty and ornate to even like eat i feel like it's rude to yeah. eat what i look at yeah um yeah when i watch those kinds of shows and i see the way they played it i'm just like i couldn't order that because i'd feel bad mm-hmm. i'd want you to make that without plating it please yeah i just want the picture <laughs> like i'll pay for the picture just tag me in it i'll pay for it <laughs> fucking- and give me like a piece of garlic bread i'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> that's fine um but oh i've been like somewhat inspired i do want to like maybe at some point you know after all this kind of settles down in like 2028 i would <laughs> 20, i would love to start hitting like like some of the finer restaurants like in arizona and out but more importantly outside of arizona i want to like try different michelin star restaurants okay i would like to like do that I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if for me, if I had, if I had the money, that's something I would do. It's one of those, like, if I had the money activities, you know, yes. I think everyone has, if I had the money activities, yes. that's definitely one of mine. Aside from just traveling in general, it's that, specifically hitting the like that, really intense. I actually intertwine those activities. Yeah, yeah. Those, those activities, um, like going married, around the world and just hitting, and the, hitting really, yes. the really, the really big spots, hundred percent, the spots where you're dropping one grand on your dinner mm-hmm. for like two people. And you're like, eh, all right, I guess that's worth it. Food is, is one of those universal concepts yeah. culturally bring people together. Yeah. Um, everyone prides themselves and their culture in their food everywhere you go there's something to to be impressed with if you want to become more intimate with a culture find authentic food there yes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so um yeah until until i reach that point though i will pretty much just eat fast casual like yeah (laughs) We have a good, we have such a good set of options out here. We though, really do for just eating like well. I genuinely, I genuinely think I think Phoenix, Arizona, probably has one of the best fast casual restaurant scenes in the world. I haven't been to a lot of places outside of the United States, right? I haven't traveled like that, but like across At least in states, hundred percent, hundred percent. Every city you. I've gone to, I've never been to a city that has a better fast casual scene. I've been either. to cities with better restaurant scenes, mm-hmm. like. You know, high end sit down places and or mid end sit down places. And attached slash established culture. We don't really have like, we don't have like. Col- L- well, like okay. LA might be better in aggregate, but per capita, I think Phoenix beats it. Yeah, it's not even fair. Yeah, just the fucking sheer size. It's and really it, not. But and air, and air, and Phoenix is also young and it's improving. Yeah. So we'll see. There's a lot of. I feel like Phoenix is a common market for 
young established chains to set up shop. So if you start a chain in LA or Colorado, that's pretty decent and does well there. Your next, the next place you set up is Phoenix. That's your number two location. I feel like we have a lot of, a lot of those restaurants that are, they're chains, but they don't have many places. That's mm-hmm. like a chain of like four restaurants and like two of them are here. And yeah, two if you of them reverse are that, if you reverse that process, it's a little riskier. If you're successful here, it's not necessarily going to translate in somewhere like, like Chicago or, or LA. But yeah. I, I would imagine if you're successful somewhere else and you bring it to Arizona. Granted, the people who are listening or from like Philadelphia or mm-hmm. Chicago or New York or whatever, are probably like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like you haven't experienced a real food scene. Yeah. Okay. You're probably right. <laughs> All right. But I will delightfully revel in my ignorance. Yeah. I won't. Cause I'm not ignorant. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, What's going on here in my mind is I am in my in this headspace. I'm I'm trying to balance price options available to me, nutrition, all these different things. I break down food that I'm about to order and really assess all of the like finite elements of what I'm getting, right? And I try to throw like tack on value. And I just feel like in Arizona, I am never I I can find something that's worth the price fulfills my needs um being someone that's really into like nutrition and fitness and just something extremely convenient and i also has 1500 calories right and i've i've had one of those issues consistently despite uh preemptive research going to the other places that's true i guess if you throw in I wasn't, I guess I wasn't really considering the price factor, but that's important too. Arizona has, like, you can find hella food that forever, like, that that will suit you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not making a compromise. If I go out of town, I'm always making a compromise unless I'm, unless I'm trying to eat somewhere that's really nice. But can this just be caused be caused by our lack of knowledge of the locales that we're going to? Sure. 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 You and I have lived here for a long time. So yeah. 100%. But I think it's also okay to have pride in what you know. Yeah. So no, like I said, I'm 100% okay with living in my ignorance. Yes. So like from what I've seen so far Arizona has like fast casual beat. But you know, again, like we don't have streets here. With like yes. establishment, we don't have the street where yeah. you get. Food. We don't have street food. That's we true. don't have like established cultures like that around food. We do not. It's yeah. again, there's, there's a very small food truck scene in downtown Phoenix. Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Um. So we have our farmers markets on Saturdays, and I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, I think fast casuals where we thrive. Yes. So. But we're definitely missing other aspects. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think our sit down scene is very strong. There, like, if you were to tell me like what my favorite restaurants are, I'll give them to you. Right? I'm talking about elevated, beyond fast casual, and somebody from another town can come try them, mm-hmm. be pleased, but not impressed. Yeah. Is, so fed- we, is federal above fast casual in your mind? Y- yes. Okay. Good. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Because they technically have a drive through. Exactly. They do. Um, but, but great sit down ambiance, great yes. service. It's really a sit somewhat, down restaurant. Yeah. Somewhat timely, but the quality is there. Mm-hmm. Pretty pricey. Um, they have like wine specials mm-hmm. and it's, it's definitely just, not cheap. And it's very sit down ish and it's a great date spot. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't attribute it to fast, fast casual, casual. but Fair. you're right. They have a drive through, which is like super fucking unique. Mm hmm. I don't even really understand how it works. I'm assuming you have to place the order ahead and then show up and, yes. and pick it up. I've used it um, once, I think. So probably helped them do good in the COVID era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They had like a 45 minute wait that time I went, which Jesus. was during the COVID era. Jesus. For drive through. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and Nobu opened. Which was a prominent sushi place in California. We have it now at uh, Fashion Square. I got to check that place out. Um, they have some kind of notoriety. I don't think they're Michelin. But I've heard of them. Yeah. They're relatively like they, they're adjacent to Toca Madera, which is a Mexican restaurant on the north side of Fashion Square. But 
I definitely want to try no. I haven't actually had sushi in a while because I've been like on that pokey kick. On that sushi. Which is that fast, casual, optimal replacement for sushi craving. True. Because that's how Arizona True. does it. Or you can do like me. Oh. Go to the little Korean Japanese fusion restaurant across the street. You get some ramen for seven dollars mm. and you get a golden california roll for mm. six dollars mm. and you're happy as a clam yeah it's pretty good yeah i might have that for dinner it's a good, good combo sounds fucking delicious where would you live like in general outside of arizona if it was driven by food only food Hmm. Do not take cost of living into it into uh, consideration. We'll say we'll say for, we'll say three months. Not not live for three months, driven yes. by food only. United States. Okay, no, I was going to say, does it have to be United States? No. Um, United States. From what you've been exposed to, and Texas is allowed to. <sighs> okay, I think it has to be between Austin, Texas, <laughs> and. Um, LA. Okay. Yeah, those are both. I feel like I'd have to pick LA just because of variety. Yeah. Like Best Austin, uh, yeah. you got great barbecue and you got great Tex Mex, but you don't necessarily have that much variety otherwise. Mm. I've heard that their, their Indian cuisine scene is pretty impressive but i haven't been to austin i've only yeah. been to san antonio i'm sure and stuff like that's getting better yeah but i mean they have uh, big schools they've they're but la is such an established food scene that you've got everything and it's been there for a the long well time. established subcultures there they yes. have communities yeah all over the place all these little micro cities essentially yeah. i mean i've seen like but, i've seen the uh there's a <laughs> speaking of youtube there's a series on youtube called worth it where it's a BuzzFeed series where they try out um, like, like they take a food category and try out three different types of food, one cheap, one mm-hmm. middle and one expensive. Price I've seen this and say which one they think is the most worth it. I've seen like steakhouse episodes of this. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So most of the places happen in LA. They go to New York occasionally because those are where the BuzzFeed offices are. Mm-hmm. And they've had some episodes in Japan, but the episodes in LA, there's such a wide variety of options. And I'm just like, wow. And some of these places look so good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all of the best oh food I've God. had in my childhood was in LA because I used to go visit family. So like Lebanese food, Iranian food, uh, Korean food, um, all in LA. Dude, I'd just be having like Tokyo fried chicken and fucking like Asian wings or some shit. You and working like, tomorrow? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> fucking uh, like some like Greek pizza over here or something <laughs> stupid like that, you know, yes, all there. day long, yeah, you know, a hundred percent. Try to try a different burger place every day. Mm-hmm. And like, they're all amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, a beauty belly. hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of diversity. We're getting there. We're growing. I mean, it, I do think Phoenix the, will be the next LA. Yeah. We're, well, we're a transplant capital right there's that i feel like we'll be the next la and the only thing that might change is there might be like a cap for us that hits earlier than it hit for la a cap mm-hmm. well, like a not... resource cap okay so like yeah there's gonna be a cap's gonna come with one uh reasons to live here and to okay reasons to live here and if we break that down job market um climate not near the coast that's a big one that comes comes with the territory of climate yeah like um, i think our cost of living can only increase so much before people start not wanting to live here but on the flip side we have that we have all of the other amenities here yet the cost of a living is so nice and so welcoming. We're a transplant hotspot yes. for like gentrified places that are incredibly pricey. Sorry, mm-hmm. so, so many people come from other places to here because we offer so much for so much less, right? Um, that being said, we bring in a lot of culture. Also, we have the biggest public university in the United States. That helps quite yes. a bit. I mean, growing up here, I've seen so much insane growth in the phoenix valley it's come such a long way already and it's actually not slowing down yeah 
which is very promising. That's true. Um, very, very true. I see lots of like modern apartments and mm-hmm. new restaurants and yeah, a lot of growth in general. Hundred percent. Even really, a lot of small business growth actually. Surprisingly, yeah. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. there's yeah, like downtown Phoenix, like Arcadia area. There, there's like a proliferation of like small businesses. It's a lot, versus, of, a lot of small medium businesses. Yeah, and there's like pride in it versus yeah. it, you know, just being completely filled and bombarded with chains. Yes. So yeah, you're not like overrun with cheesecake factories. Exactly. It's like a bunch of one to five location restaurants. I think there's a there's a demand cafes. for I think there's a demand for it here. I agree. There's something ingrained in our culture. I think somehow it's able to not be too expensive and by extension people want it because it's better. Mm-hmm. And there's enough people coming here that are uh, well enough off that there's a significant market available for it. A lot of money in this state. Mm-hmm. Not money made. Decent, but money brought money in. imported. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So. Yes. A lot of our importees are tech workers and. Mm-hmm. Who made it elsewhere? Office workers and stuff like that. And they're like, we're in California. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. My apartment's like $5,000 a day. Like, mm-hmm. I need to get out of here. Like, oh my God. Like, I'm just trying to find a bridge to live under for the night. Yeah. Cause you know, this $165,000 salary can't pay the bills. Yeah. They're like, my rent's $3,500 a month and I get five square feet and Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh shit. You know, I get it. They come here and they're like, Oh yeah, I'll take the cut. I'll make 65 K a year instead of 165 and live comfortably. (laughs) That's well, more like it's more like I'll make a hundred instead of 165. Yeah. I have twice the square footage in my apartment and save twice the amount of money. I'm being being hyperbolic. No, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, I think that's a good place yeah, for us to wrap it fun. for the day. Yeah. It's our first eclectic podcast in mm-hmm. a minute. It's a good buffer. Yeah. Probably have like five views, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Probably. Wasn't Whatever. our best. Wasn't our worst. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> guys? Uh, guys? <laughs> Where'd you go? Well, if you did make it to the end, iowamarkets.com. Millen tweets, Millen grams, you know the drill. Hit that subscribe button. You know how it is. I'll catch you guys. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>